Hello and a warm welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for the show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle-related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and put yourself front and center in your life, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured, and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you know someone else that would get value from the show as well, please share it with them. Do you find yourself in the tug-of-war mindset of, I want something sweet? Take this free quiz with steps to reclaim your shape and get back your va-va-va-boom. Head to www.livingfabulously.com forward slash hello dash vitality. You'll find the link in the show notes. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Today I'm absolutely thrilled to introduce my guest, Brittany Prendergast, who is a peer of mine. She's a health and well-being coach. So welcome to you, Brittany. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Bev. I'm, I'm so excited just to be here. Yeah, it's great that uh, we, we are able to share knowledge and notes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me about yourself and what it is that you do. Well, like you said, I am a certified health and wellness coach and life coach. Actually, I am the author of a book, a book called Buddha Belly, a mind-body-soul approach to health, starting with your gut. And it has transitioned into now I have my own health coaching academy where I train brand new health coaches and in the full range of health and wellness along with gut health. As, and I also train uh, current health coaches in just the gut health program. So I'm actually, I'm, I certify health coaches now so that we can grow our peer group. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. We are support to um, doctors and the medical as well as the alternative practitioners. Yeah. So that's fantastic. And how would you describe your own well-being journey? You know, early on in my life, I mean, for majority of my life, I'd say from probably age four until age 19, I struggled with being very overweight, most definitely. But the most significant thing to me, I mean, as hard as as hard as the weight part was, it's really hard when you're a kid and um, but as hard as that was, the the biggest impact for me was having really severe anxiety um, and sometimes depression, but especially anxiety, panic attack disorders. So, you know, I recall having them as early as age four. And I can remember throughout points of elementary school, you know, I remember crying every day during first grade and I didn't know why. I would just explain that my tummy hurt because as a kid, you even a lot of adults can't articulate panic and anxiety. So as a child, I was not able to do that. And I remember as late as, you know, into fourth grade, I remember locking myself in the bathroom, you know, excusing myself from class to go to the bathroom, thinking I was dying and, you know, just praying on a regular basis that, that I wouldn't die until I could come down off it and then return to my class and lie to my teachers that there was nothing wrong with me. So it was, it was an awful thing to go through as a child and then into adulthood. And I really had no understanding or explanation of it. As I got older, I was able to identify panic disorder. I was able to say, this looks like anxiety and panic disorder. 
Um, and so I, I kind of thought, I kind of started putting things together thinking it was hormonally related and I did start seeing some patterns being a female, you know, I started seeing some hormonal patterns. Um, and as I got older, I worked really hard. I ended up losing about 40 pounds, which helped a lot. I developed a healthier diet and lifestyle than what I previously had. It's nothing like I have now, but it was an evolution and I, I, I did see it help. Um, but later on in my mid-20s, early to mid-20s, I was married and I was wanting to get pregnant with our first baby. And I ran into a lot of issues trying to get pregnant. For almost a year, I couldn't get pregnant. And the first time I did get pregnant, we miscarried. Um, then I went on to get pregnant with my other son and a few years later had another miscarriage. And then I had another son. So uh, after multiple miscarriages and multiple bouts with with even still struggling with the anxiety and the panic at those later stages in life, even though I had I gradually adopted just a healthier and healthier lifestyle, I couldn't understand why why I kept dealing with those things. And that was the point where I started really researching hormones. So a few years ago, when I actually decided to sell my retail business and pursue my passion for health and wellness, which I had been just a nut about for the last decade, that's when I, I geared what I was studying. I elaborated on hormones and through discovering hormones and researching hormonal function is actually what brought me to, to gut health. For people who don't really understand, what does good gut health look like then? Well, your gut is your entire digestive tract. Everything from your you know, esophagus, your GI, into your, your small intestine, your large intestine, you know, your stomach, your colon area, some is the same, you know, where food is processed and then eliminated. And so good gut health is, is the whole function of, of all those pieces of the gut doing what they're supposed to be doing. We need, we are more back, we have more bacteria in our bodies than we do human genes. And those bacteria have a purpose. So good gut, gut health means having a good ratio of mostly good positive bacteria and less of the more neutral or even pathogenic bacteria. Um, it, although there's a place for that, the good bacteria, when it's in its right quantity, it keeps the other stuff in check. And I know at least over here in, in the States, the average American has an, it, we're supposed to have about 15% bad bacteria, so to speak, to an 85% ratio of good bacteria. And over here, the average American is likely the reverse of that, about 85% bad bacteria to 15% good bacteria. Um, so bacteria that is in our gut is definitely a big part of having good gut health. And the other part is having a, a solid digestive system that's well intact because of that you know because of what goes on in the gut with bacteria and stuff it can affect multiple areas of the body including things that we don't always think about not just digestion and you know ibs crohn's uh, and multiple digestive issues but it can also affect our mood by penetrating it sends off certain the bad bacteria will send off inflammatory um, responses that actually travel through the blood brain barrier. Um, it affects skin, your skin's largest organ on your body. So it can show up in all kinds of ways when our gut health is out of whack. If we know what good gut health looks like, 
then what's the opposite side of that equation? I think you mentioned leaky gut. A big problem is leaky gut. So when I referred to the part about having a digestive tract that's fully intact and healthy, that's where we're seeing now a lot of permeability in people's GI tract in their gut. Basically, the permeability is holes or spaces in the netting of our digestive system. So our digestive tract is much like an, a net, but it's it's a very fine netting, and it's meant it has a purpose for that, you know, to process and assimilate nutrients. Well, when it's damaged or it's been aggravated, it sends a stress response, and it actually it, it enlarges the spaces, almost like if you were to tear open a netting. It, it enlarges all the spaces in the gut, leading to a permeable gut. So now foods that normally would have just been contained and processed and eliminated through the body and substances are now floating free in the bloodstream, which was intended to be completely sterile. So that's causing a lot of issues as far as chronic inflammation because the body is responding to this foreign invaders now being the, the food particles and the, the other things that are getting into the blood system. With the chronic inflammation, what are some of the links between leaky gut and those other, what are the other things that people might be dealing with? Oh, there's, like I said, so there's everything from different digestive disorders to type 2 diabetes. They're even thinking some type 1 diabetes, skin issues, anxiety, depression, migraines. Um, There's a lot of basically a lot of symptoms now that they're relating to the gut. That's why this is such a, and it's still an emerging area of study, but what we do know and what we have seen has been enough to definitely roll with it. We, we definitely need to be focusing on that, that area of the body because it's, it's looking to be correlated to most disease. They find inflammation present in almost every chronic disease out there. Well, leaky gut is a culprit of causing chronic inflammation. So we don't really know for sure which comes first, but they they are likely kind of drawing a conclusion that leaky gut is present in majority of diseases and therefore leading to this chronic state of inflammation in the body, which then just deteriorates and turns into worse outcomes and worse diseases and worse symptoms. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, I think it's important for me to emphasize, too, that I wasn't a person that suffered with really bad tummy-related issues, not to, not enough that it brought attention to me, enough that now I can look back and I can say, okay, I function a lot better now than I did then. But it wasn't that. For me, it was the the emotional and the mental struggles with the anxiety and depression and stuff that really was how my gut issues were showing themselves. So for me, when I started healing my gut, we learned that there's three really important phases. And one is the removal of foods that are highly irritating to the body. So this, this includes gluten, refined sugars, and obviously processed foods, uh, genetically modified foods. Um, and even for a time period, you know, we do go through a process where we eliminate some otherwise healthy foods just because the gut's not able to process them well right at that moment. And once it heals, it can reintroduce some of them. But conventional dairy, um, a lot of those, especially highly processed foods, are things that have been 
created in a laboratory or severely altered from their natural state are wreaking havoc in our digestive system because our bodies were not designed to, to, they don't understand what these foreign objects are and it's harming us. So the body's doing the best thing it can to kick out this junk. And when all we're eating is this junk and these offending substances, then we're exacerbating the problem. So a big part of that was removing anything that could be keeping my, my gut from healing. You know, the second part, and this is what we, we train a lot of our coaches to work pe with people with, is then repopulating the gut bacteria and getting that ratio closer to that 85-15 so that so that they can have success because in that bacteria is where a majority of our immune system lies. And then the last thing is to just then feed, refeed the body, a diet that's conducive to, to gut health. And, and a lot of our people, I mean, like myself, I, I'm not going to ever sit back and say, I never eat a piece of cake. You know, I have a moment where I eat a piece of cake, but during my healing process, I was pretty strict. And thereafter, I majority of my diet is very gut friendly so that my body can handle some of that stuff the way it was intended to. Once you've healed that permeability, now if every once in a while you have a cookie or you, you have something that otherwise is a junk food, your body can rid it and get it out of there and do what it does without it, like before, flowing free in your, in your bloodstream. I guess for somebody who's listening and they perhaps re recognize that there is, you know, maybe something happening in their guts, can you, could you recommend an action that they could take that would support them? The biggest, the two, the two biggest things that I like people to focus on removing, if they can only tackle two, would be the removal of refined sugars and gluten. So if they can get those two things out of there, those are, those are usually the largest challenges, and they are what feeds pathogenic bacteria so much. Those pathogenic bacteria just love fast sugar, you know, so they will actually cause you to crave more of it. Um, they really want to take over your body, and they want to, they want to keep, keep their spot as king that they've, they've taken away, you know, that wasn't ever deserved or intended in the first place. And so those sugars really feed those. So removing artificial sugars is a really, is the first one and gluten. And, and one thing that we show people to do a lot, because I know for me, that was a big one. I had such a sweet tooth. My whole family, like, they're amazing bakers, just amazing, including myself. I mean, I was always very good at that too. And so removing sugar was really scary for me. And the cold turkey never <laughs> never went well for me. I was always very challenging. <laughs> I was grumpy. I hated life. I felt like I didn't have anything to look forward to, which made me more aware of how it was affecting my body. But I found that when I did, you know, I tried that multiple times in my life. But when I did this for gut health, what I did in the beginning was I didn't take out all sugar. I swapped the refined sugar that I was normally wanting to have with whole food sugar. So I would make my own treats and snacks and I would use organic raw honey and I would use or hundred percent maple syrup, a little bit fruit or things like that to sweeten, sweeten my, these treats so I could still have them, but I was detoxing almost, so to speak off of the white stuff and the chemical laden stuff. And as time went on, I was able to then pull those back a little bit because you don't want to eat a bunch of that stuff you know, even my healthy treats can be loaded with fat and, and healthy sugar. 
So eventually I was able to pull back some of that, but, but that's my biggest recommendation is just to start somewhere and swap those things if that's where you struggle. Mm, so it could be as simple as instead of in your, let's say if you do drink coffee, instead yeah. of ladling in sugar is perhaps use something like you mentioned a raw organic honey or perhaps even a little bit of stevia. Yes, absolutely. And just trading that. And and you might have the same calorie content by adding honey as you were when you had white sugar, but the response of the body is it first of all there's nutrition in raw honey that there isn't in refined white sugar. And second, the body understands it. It doesn't it doesn't stress it out as bad because it's not trying to, like I said, process something that's more chemical laden. I just, I feel like it does have very different, white sugar is highly addictive. So to swap that out for something that doesn't invoke as much of an addiction response is a big help, not just physically health wise, but habit wise and how much we crave those things. Yeah. And I guess like you saying is sort of start with one thing and then broaden it over time so that you're not getting that feeling that you're missing out on something. Yes, we find that a lot of people do well. Like I said, if they have severe gut issues or a disease and they are really trying to heal their gut because of a severe place, then they will do a pretty drastic time period, you know, because they're healing and they're just very committed to doing that. But for most people who aren't dealing with a severe case of something or who just find it more difficult, um, we, I, I do believe that taking it one step at a time, adding just one little thing at a time, learning your substitutions for those one things. You know, I don't do pasta very often because it's usually very refined and processed and high in sugar. And, and frankly, if I'm going to eat that, I'd rather have a cookie than have spaghetti noodles because that's just my, my <laughs> preference. But I, my family would start um, trading it for other things. Instead of rice, we do cauliflower rice and instead of noodles we do zucchini noodles or zoodles and and that was a process pulling pasta out and what could we substitute pasta with well we did the same thing with sugar and little by little when you take on just one thing at a time you know especially a year down the road you can have a complete transformation and transition in the way that you're eating yeah and I, I guess the other side of that equation is your gut health never deteriorated in a day so it's not going to repair in a day. So this is a slow, gentle process. Yeah, and it depends on where you're starting. You know, some people just, some are by far worse off than others. Some people, you know, besides for just food, food culprits of wakey gut, things like painkillers and pharmaceuticals are a big, big, big cause of gut permeability. So some people have been on many, many medications, sometimes for the very things that are caused by their leaky gut or the symptoms that are from the leaky gut. And Brittany, you mentioned previously about you didn't have the typical gut dysbiosis or mm-hmm. problems with gut. You know, you didn't have this, the typical symptoms, but you were plagued with the anxiety and panic disorder. Yes. So I'd love you to help us understand that relationship between anxiety disorder and gut health. Yeah, you know, that one is the most fascinating to me. And it's the one that I, I, when I do lectures, I get the biggest draw from that. Um, But majority of our serotonin, which is the happy juice, our, our happy hormones in our head, is produced in your gut. 
So, I mean, just that alone, you can imagine that if your gut's out of whack, what that's going to do to those, to that happy juice and the levels of, of serotonin that we are or are not making. Um, that's a big way that gut health is affected. It has affected our, our mental frame of mind. On top of that, those bacteria we have, it is so fascinating as they come out with more and more research to see the multitude of different kinds of organisms and bacteria that we have in our body and how they all have different purposes. They all have a job. You know, if we're at our peak health and our bacteria is just in peak health, um, you could study the, the, the body and the different areas of the body and you'll see different types of bacteria in the mouth as opposed to in you know, the esophagus and down into the large intestine and then the large, the small intestine and then the skin. They're all different kinds of bacteria that are meant to do different things. Well, they send signals. They all communicate. And so when our gut bacteria is out of whack, what it actually does is it has a pathway that it travels through the spinal system up into the brain. And when it's distressed, it sends off these signals up into our brain that can actually penetrate the blood brain barrier. And the blood brain barrier was thought to be, it was thought that it could not be penetrated, which they've just now realized it's not the case because that barrier is much like your gut. It's protecting that space around your brain from foreign objects, invaders, and anything that's going to be harmful to your brain because it's such an important organ to protect. So these inflammatory responses are going up and these these particles and stuff are entering in that brain space and they're causing inflammation up in our brain area. And that's why they believe that the three things that we see a lot in, in gut, people with gut issues is, you know, anxiety, depression, and migraines, brain affected things because of the communication of these bacteria. And often how we go to treat that if someone has chronic depression or anxiety we, as we prescribe a pharmaceutical pill, these very pills deteriorate the health of the gut. And they provide too much artificial serotonin, which can throw off the other, the other balance of our hormonal levels. So ironically, how we're treating this stuff is causing, it's aiding in the original likely causation of the problem. Well, that's fascinating. So I guess your support for people with any type of a mental health issue would be to support them with their gut health while they actually may be on treatment. And then when, you know, you feel that they're at a certain point in their gut health journey, that they may consider talking to their doctor about the medications they're on. Oh, yes. And, and it, I love, that's the, it's so important to me for people to have hope because unfortunately, there's there's still a lot of people that struggle with anxiety and depression who get to the point of suicide or just, you know, are chronically suffering and they've done it all. They've done everything right. They, they took the pills that were prescribed to them. They've gone to counseling. You know, they've done everything they can do. And then what happens when they're still suffering is they become hopeless. And so to be able to educate people that such a large impact is actually happening physiologically in your gut and in your body. Um, it gives hope back. It says that, well, wow, maybe if I focus on this thing, I can actually, I can actually improve or eliminate this condition that I thought was irreversible. 
Mm, well, I think we're giving hope to listeners right now, Brittany. I so thank so. you for sharing that. That's really wonderful. When we're in the highs of celebration or in a woe state, mm-hmm. we can turn to those very things that you're talking about, those artificial refined sugars, mm-hmm. to give us the crutch that we need to feel that exactly and so by doing that we're actually worsening our gut health and we're creating that what I would call a vicious cycle there was something you said earlier about your own personal journey and you mentioned and sadly you obviously had some fertility challenges and you'd had some miscarriages Mm -hmm. now you mentioned that that got you into looking at hormones and stuff so was there a link between that and your gut health oh yes your your hormones are severely affected by your gut and here the whole time i had gotten to a place and remember before i even took my coaching training i was a self-educator for years i I didn't even read fiction books i read nonfiction. i soaked up everything that i could so i thought i knew a lot and i thought i'd gotten to a place where the root was hormonal function and what i realized is that wasn't where it stopped below that was gut health which affected hormonal function perhaps if there's somebody listening who has been challenged with fertility problems, they could get to a practitioner to look at their gut health. Yes, absolutely. It's another part of the equation. Mm -hmm. And even viability for, you know, babies and and carrying babies. I I hated feeling like, I mean, my first miscarriage was at six weeks, which is fairly common. My second one was over 10 weeks, you know, and you hate feeling like at any given time, something could happen to one of your babies. And when you go through something like that, you get to week 20 and you're like, you know, you just, you don't trust your body because you're not really sure, you know? So yeah, definitely preparing our vessel, Mm. especially by starting with our gut health because it is transferred. It's also transferred to your baby when it's born. So gut health is so important for moms. That's another area that I really advocate. Mm, That's beautiful. So I'd love to know then what are your tips for living fabulously, Brittany? Mm. Well, my tips are to always, always strive to grow. We can't, we, you know, I think too often we, we are critical of ourselves and that's why we want change and that's why we just can't really obtain it or we obtain it unhealthily. We strive to just lose weight or lose poundage and we, we, we degrade ourselves so much on the process. I think that we need to appreciate the hardworking body we've had and what we've been gifted and we need to nurture that because we deserve to be nurtured just as we would with our kids you know, and anybody we care about, we need to actually care about our own selves. And, and, and when we do that, you know, we are, when you nurture your body, your brain becomes more alive. And I think that we're apt to, to pursue our real purpose in life by doing that. That's fabulous. Thank you for that. And you can find Brittany Prendergast at her website, which is holisticwellnesscoaches.com. She's also on Facebook under Holistic Wellness Coaching Academy. So, Brittany, I'm just being delighted that you're with me today. And thank you so much for sharing your personal well-being journey because I think it's really inspirational that you've taken some of that pain and turned it into something that matters for you and for others. So thank you for that. And I think some of the things that we shared was your status quite fascinating is that 
if 85% of bad bacteria is what's living in people's bodies, I'm not surprised that there's challenges in terms of obesity, chronic illness, and also I think behavioral challenges. If it affects your mood and your you know, anxiety or depression, there's a lot to be said about that. So that was very interesting to me. And you also talked about there's a process of healing that we need to go through. But I guess before that, you need to make the decision that you're willing to do what it takes and then work on, like you said, one thing at a time. I love the idea of doing a trial of removing those highly inflammatory foods and see how you feel. I like the idea that you talked about swaps. It's not like you're feeling like you're deprived about that. So this, in the first instance, is not necessarily about dropping kilos or pounds. It's actually about just improving your gut health. And I think as that starts to improve, you probably have more motivation anyway because you're feeling uh, better about yourself in terms of, you know, perhaps less anxious, uh, more positive mood, all of those sort of things. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me, though. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening, and I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode. You can connect with me on Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev, or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.